Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. COVID-19 is on everyone's mind these days, as it has to be. In fact, this is the fourth edition of the Electronic Cottage, which will be at least partially focused on the effects of the pandemic on our increasingly digital lives. But just because there's a pandemic going on does not mean that other parts of the digital world have gone into hibernation. So let's begin today with a few headlines that folks understandably might have missed as we all have been focusing on this pretty horrible pandemic. For example, consider this headline from the news section of Science Magazine. Quote, artificial intelligence is evolving all by itself. End quote. What? How can that be? Well, a group of researchers at Google posted a research paper at archive.org entitled, quote, AutoML-0, Evolving Machine Learning Algorithms from Scratch, end quote. The title may at first seem like ancient Greek to most of us, but here's a short description for, as Apple advertisements used to say, the rest of us. AutoML simply refers to automatic machine learning. Machine learning, as regular listeners know, is a part of artificial intelligence that trains machines to learn on their own. There are lots of problems with that because once a machine gets going after the initial training by humans, no one, not even the humans who started the process, know how the machine is actually working. All we know is the output. Whether that's good or bad is a discussion for another day. What's new about this approach is that humans don't have to start the learning process. The machines do it themselves. As the abstract of the research article says, quote, it is possible today to automatically discover complete machine learning algorithms just using basic mathematical operations as building blocks, end quote basic mathematical operations as used here means mathematical operations that pretty near any high school student who took high school math would understand. Initial results have been pretty amazing. The machines have more or less mirrored Darwinian evolution, trying all sorts of different approaches to problems, choosing the best solution, getting rid of the others, and moving on to the next stage of developing even more effective algorithms. As Ed Gent, the writer of the Science News Report, put it, quote, the program replicated decades of artificial intelligence research in a matter of days, and its designers think that one day it could discover new approaches to AI, end quote. In fact, that's exactly what the researchers are hoping for. As one author, Kwok Lee, said, quote, our ultimate goal is to actually develop novel machine learning concepts that even researchers could not find." End quote. Pretty heady stuff. On a not nearly so elevated plane, consider an April 2020 report from Terbium Labs entitled, quote, Data, the business world's most vulnerable commodity. End quote. Nothing particularly shocking about that title to most of us digital citizens. What may be a bit more shocking is this observation from the report's introduction. Quote, As we'll outline in this report, the data itself is relatively easy and cheap, and the value decreases over time. But the fraud guides and templates 
and the knowledge contained within them sold on dark web marketplaces are far more valuable and can lead to even greater damage as it gives criminals the tools to turn commodity data into financial crime, end quote. The report goes on to observe that there are actually user manuals on the dark web on how to exploit stolen data. In other words, data about us is pretty easily and cheaply had on the dark web, but it isn't of much use to criminals until they have the knowledge of how to exploit that data. So just as we might look for user manuals to help us master a software program like Excel or QuickBooks, programs that deal with manipulating data, on the dark web, anyone who seeks them out can find manuals on how to use and manipulate stolen data, from passwords to health insurance data, to make a buck or lots of them. A headline in the register, while put in their usual cheeky style, pretty much summed up this state of affairs. Quote, bad news. So much of your personal data has been hacked that lesson manuals on how to use it are the latest hot property, end quote. Well, on that cheerful note, let's turn for a moment to the latest tech developments in COVID-19 tracking. On a previous edition of the Electronic Cottage, we noted that a number of countries, such as China, Hong Kong, Singapore, Germany, and others, have begun using electronic tracking in different ways to, hopefully, help stop the spread of the virus. At the risk of quoting ourselves, we pointed out that these types of electronic tracking initiatives seem to make good sense in this time of COVID-19. In the eyes of many, an exchange of personal privacy and autonomy is warranted for an increase in public health and safety. For a moment, let's assume that is the case. What is the likelihood that such technology, once developed, will disappear after the emergency is over? And what's the likelihood that such contact tracing technology will be limited to tracking only infectious diseases rather than, for example, political activity? Quite a few people and groups concerned with personal rights in this country and around the world are not so sure of the answers. Google and Apple are working together to develop an application which will supposedly alert smartphone users if they cross paths with someone who's tested positive for COVID-19. That app doesn't exist yet, but it will shortly. Now, both Google and Apple do have working sites that mark the success of social distancing, for example. What's the difference between what those companies are working on now and what already exists? And how many people will have to actually use such applications when these new apps do become available for them to actually have an effect on the spread of the virus? And what are the assumptions underlying the software? For example, in order to know if someone has tested positive to warn others about that, there has to be widespread testing which the software has nothing to do with and which does not exist at the moment. In short, whether these new contact tracking apps will make any real difference in the containment of the virus depends on how they work, how many people will use them, voluntarily or otherwise, how they interact with our healthcare system, whether people trust them now, and whether people will trust them to disappear once the emergency is over. 
Those are a lot of questions, and we'll do our best to keep up with offered answers as they appear right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Mm-hmm.